the book of Ephesians. I know this is not a, a typical Memorial Day sermon. Uh, for I just didn't feel led to do that because of things that has been going on within our church family and uh, situations that many of you were facing. I just thought that we need to be reminded of some things that are going to encourage us. I don't know about you, but I like to be encouraged. I like for people to come and say nice things and kind things to me. And we should be encouragers. Because a church, if we're not encouraging one another, you are not going to find encouragement outside these walls. I'm just letting you know. And so this morning, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be doing a, a series out of the book of Ephesians these next few weeks as we go into the summer months. And we're going to look this morning at a sermon entitled, Rich But Living Poorly. Rich But Living Poorly. Listen what the Word of God says. Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse number 1, says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all. Now, I want you to underline that word. Notice what he says. We've been blessed with all. Can you say that word with me today? All. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He identifies where these blessings come from. They come from being in Christ. And then he goes on and says, And according uh, as he hath chosen us uh, in the before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. There's that word again, love. We're, we're supposed to be living holy lives. Why? Because we've been blessed. And the reason why we've been blessed is because we're in Christ. And because of that, uh, we understand that if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior this morning. It was because of the love of God. Even while you were yet sinners, Christ loved you enough that he went and died upon an old rugged cross. Aren't you glad for the love of the Lord Jesus? And I want you to know, lost person, if you're here today... You've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. He has still extended His love and has shown His love to you because when He went to the cross, He didn't go for just a select few. He went for all of us. Glory be the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Glory that He loved us. He has mercy upon us. He's extended His grace. And because of that, we should be living holy lives before Him. Then look at verse number 5. He says, In having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, and to the praise of 
and of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. By God's grace, these next few moments, we're going to look at a message entitled, Rich But Living Poorly. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reading of the word. We thank you for the power containing your word. And Lord, there's somebody here today, Lord, that they're rich. They've been saved. They know they're saved. They're secure in their salvation. But Lord, they're not living in all that God has in store for them. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to them today. Help them to realize on what they're missing out. Lord, I also pray for that one that slipped in here on a Memorial Day weekend. Lord, maybe they're just visiting. Maybe they're just passing through. But Lord, they have never accepted you as Lord and Savior. They may have a name on a church somewhere, but they've never truly had a personal encounter with you. Lord, I pray today will be their day of salvation. Lord, we thank you for what you've already done. We've already been blessed beyond measure. And Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in our midst here this morning. And we pray all of this in the wonderful name, the saving name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So we understand that here in Ephesians, Paul is writing. Now understand, uh, he is writing from imprisonment in Rome. Things are not going so well for Paul. But yet he writes this letter to this young church. At this time in Ephesus, it was probably a city of about 300,000 people. We also know that Ephesus uh, was uh, the home of a very large temple uh, to the uh, a false god of Diana. We see that it's a young church. The church at Ephesus is a young church. And so he's writing to encourage them because he does not want them to live just a status quo type of life. You do understand this morning that God has never intended for us when we got saved that we just kind of make it through. He has given us everything we need that we can be all that we can be in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're rich, but yet many of us are living very poorly. It reminds me of a story I came across. It was an elderly couple. This uh, couple was found dead in their apartment. And uh, they, of course, did the autopsies. And uh, the report came back that this couple died of severe malnutrition. Literally, they starved to death. But as they were getting the, the apartment and cleaning things out, they found a number of bags stuffed with money all scattered around this apartment to the tune of $40,000. Now, isn't that a a sad story? Here's here's a couple that literally starved to death, but yet they had $40,000 just tucked away. That story reminds us that many of us are living like this spiritually. We have all the riches of glory at our disposal, but yet we are not uh, cashed in on that to because we're not realizing what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That's the reason why this letter was written uh, by Paul. He was wanting the church, and he's wanting the church to know even today that we are rich and we need to live like we are. Do I get a witness in the house this morning? Do you understand what you have in Christ Jesus? But notice also uh, the word rich or wealth is used. uh, If you start in verse number 3 going through verse number 14 in chapter 1 of Ephesians, this is a long sentence. It's a 202 words. Uh, It's much like uh, I told Jessica the other day, I had to write something for uh, the newsletter. I said, uh, that just reminds me I'm in good company. Paul wrote long run-on sentences just like I do. I mean, I don't know when to stop. I don't know when to put the period. I don't know when to put the comma. I just run it on out. Well, in chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, we see that's exactly why. Uh, Paul is a long sentence here. But in this passage, uh, chapter uh, 1, and verses 3 through 14, we see, first of all, the word rich or wealthy is used five times. We see the word grace is used 12 times. We also see in this long passage here that in Christ or with Christ or through Christ is used 30 times. Do you start to get the picture of what's being trying to be conveyed? We are rich in Jesus Christ. And because we're rich in Jesus Christ, we need to act, we need to operate as if we are understanding all the resources that we have available to us. And the reason why they're available to us is not because of who we are, it's because of whose we are. And so he goes on and he tells us, uh, and in this same passage, he uses the word church. Now, church is also used, and we know it's referred to as a bride. We also know the church is used, uh, the word family is used quite often. We also see that the word flock can be used for the church. All of these uh, describe the church. But here in this passage in, in Ephesians, Paul uses the word body. He says we are one body. When you talk about the body, you understand that we are a unity. See, your body works together. Your your body is unified. There's many members, but they all work in unison and in step with one another. That's exactly how the church ought to operate. We're many members, but we should operate under unity and one fluid motion. But we also see when you talk about the body, you're talking about diversity. We look around and we see this family, this church uh, is diversified. We have different education levels. We have uh, different uh, races uh, represented. We have uh, different uh, social uh, uh, situations going on. We, we have different backgrounds, different education, all of that. We, we have diversity. But what brings us together is not necessarily that we have some things in common, but one thing we do have in common, and that is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Only Jesus can bring us together. 
together? And do I have a witness in the house? Do you agree with me that we are diversified, but we come together because of what Jesus Christ has done for us? Because we all got into the family the same way, by the new birth, by being born again, because of what Jesus Christ did for you, because Jesus died for your sins, because Jesus shed His blood to cover the remission of your sin, because He was raised on the third day, and now He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, ready to come, and I want you to know He can come at any moment. That's what brings us together this morning. It's not our political views. It's not our views on anything else outside of these walls. What brings us together and what will keep us together is that we recognize the fact we all came by the way of the cross. We're in Christ Jesus. And so because of that, we have self-esteem. There's a lot of things talking about oh, self-worth. You hear this quite often. It says, I'm just trying to find myself. You ever heard somebody say that? Now, I want to be nice to people, but I would just want to say, hey, I, I, you're right here. I mean, what do you mean you got to find yourself? Now, I understand what they're talking about. Our school children are, are, are being taught about self-esteem and uh, self-worth. And, and, and in itself, there's nothing wrong with that. But my dear friend, I want you to understand this morning, my self-worth and my self-esteem is not only in my accomplishments. My self-worth is in the fact that I'm in Christ Jesus. That's where I get my self-esteem. That's where you should get your self-esteem. That's where we should get our self-worth. Because we're in Christ Jesus, we can have confidence and we can know who we are. We are born again, blood-bought, child of the living King. That's enough for me to have self-worth. I don't know about you. I have self-esteem, not because I'm in the position that I am, but because of what Christ Jesus did something for me. And that's what He did for me has radically changed my life and I will never, ever be the same. And I can stand before you in confidence and say, when I die, I know exactly where I'm going. It's not because I was a preacher of the gospel. It's not because my name was on, on the church membership. It's not because I read my Bible. It's not because I taught Sunday school. It's only the only one reason why I know where I'm going is because I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, my Lord and Savior, and I understand that I was unworthy. I understand it wasn't because of my works. I understand it was by His marvelous, wonderful grace, and I can stand before you, and I can tell you with confidence when I drop dead, or if I go up, I'm going to be a place called heaven, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Oh, there are somebody ought to get loose in this place of just the thought that that you're in Christ Jesus and you ought to have confidence. And many people will say, Oh, you're just being arrogant about it. No, 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 my dear friend. We're saying it in confidence, but we're fast to tell them it wasn't because of anything I could do. It's all because of what Jesus Christ did for me and Jesus Christ alone. Well, I don't know about you, but that's, a, that's, that's pretty good preaching right there. I done got convicted myself. <laughs> so here Paul's writing this letter. First of all, I want you to see the, uh, the source 
of these blessings that he's talking about. Notice the word that he uses. He says, blessed, when he's referring to the Lord. That word's a very interesting word. We get our English word, eulogy, from this word. Now, if you've ever been asked to do a eulogy at a funeral, you get up and you say some good things about the person that's before you. That's a eulogy. You go and you'll talk about their achievements. You'll go and talk about their, their character. Uh, you'll just say some, uh, some good things. That's a eulogy. Well, that was the same word that's used here in the Scripture. It says, blessed be the God. What he's saying is, God, you're good. Amen. <laughs> now, understand, sometimes we'll stretch it a little bit when we're trying to say nice things about people. I mean, we do that, don't we? Of course we do. It reminds me of these two brothers. And they're mean as snakes. I mean, mean as snakes. They were well known in the town there. Nobody liked them. They were depraved. They're, uh, they were just uh, low lives. I mean, you could go on and on and on. Everybody knew about their attributes. One of them dies. And so the brother goes and he's starting to look for a preacher to preach his brother's funeral. Everybody turned him down. He goes to the Baptist preacher and he says, uh, Preacher, I need, a, I need a preacher for my brother's funeral. Well, the Baptist preacher, of course, knew about his brother. He said, um, I don't know. I, I, just, I, I just don't think I could, I'll be able to do that. He says, well, listen, preacher, I, I forgot to tell you, I'm willing to pay you $1,000 to do my brother's funeral. The preacher looked at him and he said, well, the spirit might be in this thing after all. <laughs> and he says, well, he said, but one thing, preacher, one thing, you've got to say something good about my brother. Preacher says, he says, now did I remind you a thousand dollars is what? He says, spirits moved me. So word gets out, the Baptist preacher was going to do this low lives, depraved individuals. The place was packed out because they were wanting to see what this preacher was going to say. He gets up and he starts talking about this the guy, and he says, all the evil things that he did. He talked about how depraved he was. He, 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 I mean, he did all of that. And, and, of course, the congregations go, oh, right. And then he looked over at the brother that was left, and he says, but compared to his brother, he was a saint. <laughs> Sometimes we stretch the truth when we talk about people, Right? But when you talk about the Lord Jesus, you ain't skirting the issue. He is good. Amen. God is good. Amen. And so it goes, and we see in Genesis, Melchizedek said this in Genesis 14 20, he called him the most high God. Do you understand this morning that when you're in Christ Jesus, the most high God is in you. Amen. I mean, that, that's amazing to me. 
the most high God, the God who spoke the universe into existence, the one who flung the stars into the sky had a, wanted to have a personal relationship with you. And so he left heaven and came down to you. Oh, aren't you glad that you're not caught on religion today because religion is man's attempt to get to God. But when you have a relationship, that's God wanting to come to you. And so he came and visited us and when we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit came in, set up resonance in us, and do you understand that you are the Holy of Holies, that the very presence of God not only in you, but it should be shown outwardly from you. He is the most high God. God is good. And then we also see the psalmist helps us to understand a little bit more. Back in the Old Testament, the Old Testament they would have different offerings, but they would have a free will offering. The free will offering was that they would bring the sacrifice just simply out of love and worship for God. The psalmist helps us to realize what free will offering we ought to bring this morning. May I remind you that you should be bringing a free will offering just the simple fact that God loves you and God has given you everything you need. He's given you all spiritual blessings. Just in that self, we shouldn't have to be prompted to give praise. We shouldn't have to poke you a little bit to get a little jolt out of you. It should become natural out of each and every one of us that have trusted Jesus Christ that we give a free will offering. The psalmist said it best in Psalms 119 and verse number 108. He says, uh, would you please accept this free will offering of my mouth? Now notice, the psalmist, that's back in the Old Testament, didn't say to bring an animal sacrifice, even though that's what they would do. He said, a free will offering of my mouth. That's what we're supposed to do when we come to worship this morning. We should be given a free will offering of praise just the simple fact that we love Him, the one who loved us when we were unlovable. I'm telling you, God is good. You're rich, but many of you are living very poorly. See, you're rich. You have all these, uh, uh, this wonderful instrument called the mouth that you can sing praises to Him, that you can talk praises, and that you can speak praises, that you can speak life into people that are walking in darkness. He's giving you this wonderful instrument, but for too many of us, we're not using it for the cause of Jesus Christ. We're using it to go ahead and gossip about others. We're going to head and use it to put somebody else down. It was never intended for us to use our mouth. Our mouth should be used to give praise and honor and worship to a holy God, a God who has given me everything I can. I couldn't even imagine what God has given me. I was not expecting all the goodness that He's shown to me, but I'm sure grateful today. And if nothing else, I ought to be able to say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for getting me out of bed this morning. Thank you, Lord, I was able to dress myself this morning.
this morning. Thank you, Lord, that I was able to, uh, to get to church this morning. Thank you, Lord, for I have food on my table. Thank you, God. Somebody ought to get loose here. You ought to give him some praise. Thank you, Lord, that when I go home, I'm going to have food on my table. Thank you, Lord, that I have a house to go to. Thank you, Lord, I have a job to go to come Tuesday morning. I'm telling you, God's been so good to us. He's given us all kinds of riches, but many of us are living poorly. And bless us. Bless us. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 11, says this, The Lord blesses us, but in Jeremiah 29 it says, He has thoughts of you. Oh, it's, it's fixing to get loose here. He has thoughts of you. You didn't hear what I said. He has thoughts of you. Oh, Brother Mike, you just don't know what I did last night. He has thoughts of you. Oh, Brother Mike, I, I know I should be living a, a better life, and, and I'm really trying. He has thoughts of you. What kind of thoughts? Jeremiah 29, 11 says he has thoughts of peace. Thoughts of peace. Our families, many, we've already made mention in Sunday school, many of our families are going through real difficult times. There are many who are just like looking around and saying, well, I don't know where to go. What's going to happen next? How are we going to make it through it? God has thoughts of peace for you today. Peace. Oh, how we need peace. And I'm not talking about global, and I'm not talking about the Middle East, even though that will only happen when the Prince of Peace comes back. But do you understand this morning, no matter what you're going through, God has thoughts of peace for you. Many of our young people graduating from high school and they're going to go to college. I dare say that many of them are like, boy, I'm really glad to get out of the house, but I'm kind of scared too. Man, I, I, I don't know. I'm going to go to a, a place where I won't know anybody. We can go on and on, but I want you to know God has thoughts of peace for you. You're going through some health issues Someone in your family is is battling some tough stuff. I want you to know God has thoughts of peace for you. Some of you are going through financial problems and you just don't know uh, what's going to take place. The medical bills are starting to pile up and you're looking and thinking, I don't know how we're going to make it. He has thoughts of peace for you. This morning, God should be praised because He has thoughts of peace for each and every one of us. But watch this. He has thoughts of peace for you that's never had a personal relationship with Him. And you'll never experience true peace until you ask the Prince of Peace to come into your life. I'm telling you, we're wealthy, but too many of us are living poorly. But then he goes on and he talks about all spiritual blessings. Oh, this is where I really 
it got happy. All spiritual blessings. I had somebody, I was back some time, came in and said uh, they they were like really happy. I mean, they were like, whoa, over the top. And I said, man, what's going on with you? And she said, oh, she says, I went to a Bible study last night. And I said, wow, it must have been a pretty good Bible study. She said, yes, yes. She said, and I got the second blessing. I said, what? She said, I got the second blessing. She said, I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I said, well, praise the Lord. You got saved. She said, no, I was already saved. I said, no, 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 no. This second blessing. No, you already had that if you got saved. See, when you get saved, you get all. You get it all. And so now when someone comes and says, hey, have you received the second blessing? Sure do. Also got the third one, the fourth one, the fifth one, the sixth one, the seventh one, eighth one. I can go on and on. My dear friend, we need to understand we've been blessed on a a continual basis. See, uh, love, the love of Jesus Christ, that's a blessing. Would you agree with me? I have the love of Jesus Christ living in me. Uh, If you're lost today, you need to understand that He's blessed you. Even though you're not blessing Him, He's blessed you because he loved you enough that he died upon an old rugged cross for you. Oh, I'm telling you, grace, that's a blessing. Would you agree with me? That grace, God's grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wrench like me. Oh, I got the second, third blessing, but I got another blessing too. I got the bless of a blessed hope. See, I have a blessed hope that one day I'm going to see him face to face. Oh, I said, I'm going to see him face to face and I'm going to be in a place that will never fade away. I'm going to be in a perfect place with a perfect body. I'm going to be able to see 2020. You're going to be able to walk without a walker. You're going to be able not to worry about your cholesterol levels. You're going to have a perfect body in a perfect place, worshiping the perfect God for all eternity. Oh, we've been blessed because we have a blessed hope, but we also have a blessing that He continues to pour His blessings upon us. See, here's the one of the things that just blows my mind is that we've been blessed because he's given us even more blessings. He's blessed us with blessings. And then he continues to pour them on and he continues to pour it out. But here's what happens to too many of us. We've been wealthy. We're rich beyond measure. He's done everything he can. All the resources are available to him, but we're living poorly. We're living poorly. I don't know about you, but I want to live uh, but to what God has expected of me. I, I see, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so stinking tired of people trying to say, I need to be like this one, or he's my standard, or she's my standard. Now, we ought to have some role models. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that at all. But why are we setting our standards so stinking low? I, I'm not different. Why? Because here's what we're going to do. We're going to pick somebody out that might not be quite as spiritually mature as we are. That's not our standard. The standards that have been set for us is in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He sets a high standard. And that's the standards that we ought to achieve. And that's the standards we ought to shoot for. And may I add that He's given you everything you need to be able to do that. We're rich, but we're living poorly. But then He goes in 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 3. He says, now according... Now this is good. According to His divine power. Okay? So, according to who? His. According to His divine power. Okay? Do, Do you see that? Do you believe that? Do you believe what the Word of God says? According to His divine power. What does He do? That He has given us. All right? Is that not what it says? He has given us His divine power. Am I messing it up? Is that what it says? If you agree to that, what it says, according to His divine power, He has given us. Do you believe that? Say amen. Okay. What has given us? All things. Is that what it says? According to His divine power, He has given us all spiritual blessings. It's been said about the book of Ephesians that it's the believer's checkbook. I'm going to go ahead and modernize it. It's the believer's debit card. Okay? Now, what does that mean? That means if you were to take your debit card... You go to anywhere you want to, can't you? Everybody takes these things, don't they? You take that. They swipe it or you put the chip in. And many of you double check and make sure that it's reading right. You get your receipt. You go over it, do you not? I hope you do. You make sure. Yep, 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 yep. The believer's debit card, the book of Ephesians, tells us, spiritually speaking, that you can take your debit card and you don't have to worry about what the cost is going to be. You don't have to worry that you will not have the funds there, right? Now, some of you are like me. Before we go shopping or before I I let my wife go shopping, I get my bank statement. And I make sure, okay. And then she'll say, well, how much much we got in the bank? I never tell her that. (laughs) No, no, don't do that. Tell her how much she can spend. Not how much you got in the bank. Because you know what's going to happen. She says, well, shoot, we got that much money. Swap that thing, I don't care what Instead of three buggy loads, she's gone and got six. But when it comes to our spiritual banking account, you don't have to worry. Oh, you know where I'm going with this. You don't have to worry how much it costs because it's already been paid for. Woo-hoo! 
Oh, man. Jesus already paid it all, right? And so you can go and spend. You don't have to worry that you're not going to get insufficient funds. You can go and you have confidence that I can cash in because I know my Heavenly Father's already covered the cost. That's what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, spiritually speaking. He has given us, this is not what 2 Peter says, He's given us all spiritual blessings. Philippians 1.19 says it this way. It talks about the supplier. The supplier is the Holy Ghost. And this is a supplier that He... He will continue to supply. You don't have to worry that there's going to be a back order. Don't you hate it when you order something and you get this little thing, well, I'm sorry, it's been back ordered. Isn't that frustrating? Hey, when the supplier is the Holy Ghost, and when you go and ask the Lord Jesus, Lord, I'm just going to claim the promise that you've already given me, He says, don't worry about it, it'll be there. Isn't that good? Oh, he's a good God this morning. And so he, we, we see that the, 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 the scriptures are telling us, Paul is saying that we're wealthy. We, we have all these resources available to us, but we're not utilizing them. And because we're not utilizing them, we're living poorly. It's like that couple that was found dead had $40,000 at their disposal. They didn't have to starve to death, but that's what's happened to many in the church. Spiritually speaking, they're starving to death because they have not utilized the resources and the wealth that the Lord Jesus has already given them. I'm closing this morning with this story. It's a true story. It happened in 1916. In 1916, there was a lady by the name of Miss Green. Miss Green was something else. She would eat oatmeal cold. And the reason why she ate cold oatmeal is because she didn't want to spend the extra money to heat the oatmeal up. Oh, it gets better. Miss Green also had a son who had a leg injury, a severe leg injury. He wound up having to get that leg amputated. And you know why? Because she delayed in getting him to the proper medical care because she was trying to find medical care free. She would not drink whole milk. She would drink skim milk. Not because of health reasons, because skim milk was cheaper than whole milk. You say, well, man, she was a weirdo. When she died, her estimated worth, this is in 1916 now, her estimated worth was $100 million. And she lived like she lived. What's the point? The point is, many of us have all the resources, have all the wealth from heavenly places and we're living like paupers because we're not utilizing what Jesus Christ has given us. I'm not saying give you. He's already given you. 
And that took place the day you got saved. Isn't it a shame that the church of the living God is wealthy, and I'm not talking financially, is wealthy in all spiritual matters, but yet we're living poorly. God help us. I don't know about you, but I've already made my mind up that I want to live to the potential that the Lord Jesus has given me. I want to be all He wants me to be. And I want all the blessings that He's already says are at my disposal. I want every single one of them. Isn't it sad that many are saved, and we'll call it this way, they just got the fire insurance. They just know that they're not going to hell when they die. And that's not a bad, that's, that's okay. But my dear friend, your salvation is much more than that. Jesus said it this way. He says, not only have I come to give eternal life, but I've come to give abundant life. I want to be a victorious follower of Jesus Christ. How about you? We got everything we need to be able to do what he sets before us. Too many of us are wealthy, but we're living poorly.